0: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Against the Boston Red Sox, and, you know, it's redundant, beyond redundant at this point to lead off each and every show by saying tonight is a big game for the local baseball teams or this week and marks a big series for the local baseball teams, but we'll say it anyway. It's a big game for the Yankees and a big weekend for them at home against the Kansas City Royals. And it's a big game for the Mets tonight and a big weekend in Fenway against the Boston Red Sox. Why? Because of what they've done so far through the first nearly 100 games for both of those teams. The position they have put themselves in with their mediocre play in the Yankees case or their subpar play in the Mets play in the Mets case has left a little or uh, really no margin for error. And, and that was illustrated yesterday. You know, the Mets were showing some signs of life. Out of the All-Star break, an ugly couple of losses at home to the Dodgers, including that one hitter in the first game back from the All-Star break, and then they lose the next night, a very sloppy game at Citi Field. But then they win the third game, the Sunday game, and then they win the first two against the lowly White Sox, and it's a three-game winning streak just like that, and all of a sudden you think you have something cooking. And then yesterday, sloppy play in the field, Uh, another poor job by the bullpen, A good start by Jose Quintana, which was a really, really good sign for the Mets. And then just like that, uh, you had an opportunity for a sweep. And and especially when you're – and that was the Mets this week with the White Sox and it's the Yankees this weekend with the Royals, especially when you're – when you're facing these teams that are the dregs of Major League Baseball, and there's a lot of them these days. There's the A's with their 27 and 72 record. There's the Royals that are 28 and 70. There's the White Sox who are 41 and 57. There are the Rockies who are 37 and 59. There are the Nationals who are 38 and 58. There are a lot of bad teams in baseball. There's the Pirates who are 42 and 54. Remember, they started the season like 10 games above 500 at one point, so they've been brutal since then. The Cardinals, 10 games below 500 When you play those teams, you have to beat those teams, and that's been the biggest problem for the Yankees during this stretch, and even the Mets. Yeah, you take two out of three against the White Sox. That's great. You know what? That would be great in April or May or June when you hadn't buried yourself by falling 10 games below 500 At this point in the season, with games against the Red Sox and a ton of games against the Braves and other upper echelon teams from the National League coming up. You've got the Yankees next week. Not that they're an upper echelon team, but they are certainly not the dregs of Major League Baseball, despite what they've looked like lately. When you have those teams against those, those games, against those good teams coming up, you got to win the games against the White Sox and against the Rockies and against the beat-up Angels and against the Cubs and this weekend in the Yankees' case against the Kansas City Royals. So that's where we stand. You know, the Royals are a very, very bad baseball team. They have been outscored this season. In 98 games, they have been outscored by 162 runs. So that's an average of being outscored by about a run and more than a run and a half a game. A game. And that factors in the 28 games that they actually found a way to win. So that's a bad baseball team that the Yankees are Hosting at the stadium this weekend, it gets started in a couple of minutes with Clark Schmidt on the mound against Alec Marsh. Schmidt has been one of the bright spots for the Yankees. He got off to such a bad start that I think a lot of people wrote him off since the beginning of May. Schmidt has been not only adequate, Schmidt has been good. April, he had a 6.84 earned run average and was in danger of losing his spot in the rotation his ERA in May was 3.52, in June 3.04, and then two starts so far in July 3.86. And this is a guy you're counting on as your fifth starter or your fourth starter. That's terrific production for what you need him to give you. But unfortunately for the Yankees, as we have discussed ad nauseum on any number of shows on this station, the Yankees' problem this year is not getting what they need from the guys at the top of the roster. You know, the guy at the very top of the roster is not there right now, and we know. And there's some news on Aaron Judge. We actually spoke with Aaron Judge earlier today, and we'll hear some of his comments. We tried to get an update on his toe injury, when we might be able to see him again. He will be taking live batting practice at Yankee Stadium on Sunday, so that's certainly a good sign. But for the Yankees this weekend as they get start to, uh, set to begin this three-game series against the Royals, it is time. It's, it's time to put your foot down and start winning games because you are seriously running out of time. This is a poorly constructed team. We know that. All right. No matter what happens between now and the rest of the season, even if they go on a run and they win at like a 650 winning percentage pace the rest of the way, and they sneak into the playoffs, and they win a wild card round, and they win around in the ALCS, ALDS, excuse me, and they get to the ALCS again. Even if it ends up there, okay, this is a poorly constructed team. It needs major changes structurally. But none of those changes can be made within the 2023 season, all right? So for the most part, I know the trade deadline is now 10 days away. I know that there's a lot of, you know, possibilities out there from Otani to Soto to Cody Bellinger, all right? But for the most part, the team that the Yankees have right now, the roster that they have right now is what they're going with. They can still reach the playoffs. It's been grim since before the All-Star break, losing two out of three to the Cubs, Losing two out of three in Colorado and then getting swept in ugly fashion in Anaheim by the Angels. It has been ugly. Two and eight in their last ten games. And again, they just threw away. They just threw away nine games where they should have gone seven and two, given the caliber of competition. And you think the Mets schedule is tough coming up. The Yankees is even tougher. They got the Mets coming in next week. They've got the Orioles. They've got the Astros. They've got the Rays who have really come back to Earth but are still 20 games above five hundred. So the Yankees are going to be in the middle of that stretch where normally playing five hundred baseball against those types of teams, you would take that against the top teams in Major League Baseball. But you can't afford five hundred against those teams when you go 2-7 and seven against the Cubs, the Rockies, and the beat-up Angels. But the Yankees can still reach the playoffs. They are only four games behind the final wild card spot in the American League. And the team you have to focus on, the two teams you have to focus on if you're the Yankees, are the Toronto Blue Jays and the Boston Red Sox. Because the Astros, yes, they're tied with the Blue Jays, and they're also four games ahead of the Yankees, just like the Blue Jays are. They're tied for the second and third spots in the AL wildcard race. But the Astros have the pedigree. They have the infrastructure. I don't think you'll find anybody who doesn't think that the Astros are going to be at least one of the three teams to earn a wild card spot in the American League if they don't end up catching the Rangers and winning the American League West. So don't worry about catching the Astros. The Rays, even though they have really struggled, they're on a five-game losing streak. It's their second lengthy losing streak in about a month's time. They're not even in first place anymore after their ridiculously scorching start. The Orioles have jumped over the Rays. The Rays have the top wild card spot right now, which is unbelievable. The Yankees are still eight and a half games behind them, and it's unlikely they're going to catch them. Like I said, don't worry about the Astros. You've got to focus in on the Blue Jays, and you've got to focus in on the Red Sox because the Red Sox, even though they're on the outside looking in also, they're ahead of the Yankees. They're three games back. The Yankees are four games behind. So the Yankees this weekend are rooting for the Mets. But the Yankees can still reach the playoffs because they're close. They're only four games out. They still have a roster that, as we have been saying for weeks, maybe months, if they produce the way they are supposed to produce, they will win games. And then the other thing you have to remember about this Yankees team, they are also missing their best player, who happens to be outside of Shohei Otani, the best player in the entire sport. And hearing him speak today, they are not ruling out him coming back this season. It's still in the plans. There's still no definitive timetable, and I know we're running out of time. He suffered the toe injury on the 3rd of June. We're nearly two months removed from that. But he is still operating as if he's coming back this season. Now, you hope that's a smart move because with this toe injury – And the long-term damage that it has the potential to inflict, you cannot, you cannot screw up with anything beyond this season for Aaron Judge. He's got eight more years on his contract after this year. And let's be honest, right? A a good season right now for the Yankees would be making a run and reaching the playoffs. The expectations at this point, at 50-47, and with 65 games to play, four games out of a wild card spot, needing to jump over two teams to get into the playoffs, the expectations for a good season have been lowered. So you're not going to rush Aaron Judge back to get into the wild card round. Now, if he comes back, does that change the dynamic of the team? And as we have seen in recent years, we have seen wild card teams make runs. All the way to the World Series and even winning the World Series. Whether it be the Nationals in 2019, the Phillies, a wild card team last year, went to the World Series. The Padres, a wild card team last year, went to the NLCS. So we have seen it. It's kind of the opposite of what usually happens to the Yankees. The Yankees are usually the team that has the strong regular season. And then, because of the quote unquote randomness of the postseason, best out of five series, now in the wild card, best out of three series, the Yankees' success, as we've heard Brian Cashman intimate several times, plays well over a 162 game season. But when you get into the shorter series of the postseason, it's much more random and strange things can happen. Unfortunately for the Yankees, those strange things always seem to happen against them. Well, maybe the reverse can happen this year. You know, maybe the Yankees are the wild card team that record-wise you're not afraid of, but they get hot at the right time because the Yankees always seem to run into the team that gets hot at the right time, whether it's the Rays or whether it's the Astros. That's what they want you to believe, right? In reality, if you've watched the Yankees in the playoffs for the last several years, they've not run into the team that got hot at the right time. They've always run into the team, whether it's the Rays or whether it's the Astros. They've run into the team that was better than them. Now, do the Yankees have the potential, if they can get into the playoffs, to be better than their record indicates? They do because of the Aaron Judge factor and because of what could happen between now and the trade deadline on August 1st. But it's a big 10 days for this Yankees team because there's going to be no activity before the trade deadline unless they give management, Brian Cashman, Hal Steinbrenner, reason to, to believe that they are worth further investing in this season if they can make a run. Right now, that seems extremely, extremely unlikely. Now, is there still a path forward for them to improve? There is. But that path revolves around, as we've been saying for weeks, Glaber Torres starting to hit better, and he is. But no one else is yet. Not Giancarlo Stanton, not DJ Lemayhu, not Anthony Rizzo. They are finally rid of Josh Donaldson. We don't have to worry about him. And at some point, it would be nice... I know we've given him this great pass. He's a great kid. He's a homegrown Yankee. He's a local kid. He's 21 years old. He went out in spring training and earned that starting shortstop spot. Nothing excites a fan base, especially here in New York. Nothing excites a fan base more than a homegrown kid coming up to their team. But at some point, right, the expectations for Anthony Rizzo have to be, Anthony Rizzo, Anthony Volpe, excuse me, have to be increased. At some point, they do. We're we're pushing August now of his rookie season. And he got off to a really rough start, except for the power numbers, which were always pretty good. And then in the month of June, mid to late June, he started to get hot. And it looked like he started to figure things out. But now he's back to striking out a lot. He doesn't get on base a lot. And the offensive numbers across the board are still pretty ugly for Volpe. So as we approach august now of his rookie season at some point i do think the expectations for him are going to be uh, to contribute as well the pitching staff has been fine except for except for carlos rodon and that's a whole different issue you know the first start okay he had missed about a year since his last start all right first start anyway he was not bad in that first start against chicago second start against colorado was a little bit worse Third start against the Angels was worse than that. And now we're three starts in. The numbers are ugly. He's got that stupid incident with the fan, which he owned up to. And you hope that he can move past that. But it was stupid. You know? It just shows that he has thin skin. And maybe maybe this isn't the right guy for New York. I mean, we've seen it before. Watch the All-Star. Did you watch the All-Star game? You probably didn't the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, you probably didn't because nobody watched the MLB All-Star Game because the ratings were in the toilet. But if you happened to, I think the first pitcher, Garrett Cole got the start. The first pitcher to come out of the American League pen was Nathan Ivaldi. He's pitched well everywhere he's been in the major leagues, except for New York. And then the next pitcher out of the pen was Sonny Gray, who has pitched well everywhere he's been in the majors, except for New York. It's almost like, Dusty Baker, and I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> it's almost like Dusty Baker was sticking it to Brian Cashman with his pitching rotation in the All-Star game. Saying, hey, we had these. you had these two guys. You gave up a lot for Rivaldi, and you gave up on him too soon, and he turned into an All-Star. And then you got Sonny Gray when he was an All-Star. He pitched terribly for you. You gave up on him as well, and now he's an All-Star again. Is, is Rodon next? Look, I don't want to make too much of of three starts. But when the three start, you know, one start, you're like, okay, he's working his way back. Two starts, all right, you want to start to see something, and you didn't. Now we're three starts in, and it's like, we haven't seen a good start yet. You look at Jose Quintana yesterday for the Mets. Five innings, two runs, first start of the season. Didn't blow anybody away. That's a perfect first start for a guy who they're really going to be depending on down the stretch of the season. It will be nice to see that from Carlos Rodon in start number four. But outside of Rodon, the starting pitching's in a good place. The bullpen needs some work. The numbers overall this year say that they are a good group, and they are a good group, but they're not locked down by any stretch of the imagination. There are holes in that bullpen, and I'm not really sure who the guy is that you trust the most in that Yankees bullpen right now. But all that being said, if the lineup, the Rizzo's and the Stanton's and the Lemayhews and Glaber Torres continues doing what he's done since the All-Star break and Aaron Judge gets back, yeah, that's a playoff team. That's a playoff caliber team right there. And if you get into the playoffs, who knows? But it starts, it starts right now. Bottom of the first inning right here in uh, the Bronx. And they're scoreless with a runner on third and two outs. But it starts here this weekend against the Royals. You've got to put your foot down. And you just got to start winning games. And you got to start building some momentum. Similar scenario for the Mets. The Mets are playing better lately. But the one thing the Mets can't really seem to generate at all is momentum. And we'll see if that changes at all this weekend in Fenway Park. We're just getting started. Pat O'Keefe in for Dan. 1-800-919-3776. A lot of football to discuss as well. We will hear from Aaron Judge um, on what it's been like to sit out and watch his team struggle like it has, on if he's any closer to returning from the toe injury as Giancarlo Stanton muscles up and sends it about a foot in front of the Left field wall to end the first inning for the Yankees. Pat O'Keefe here on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Dan Grasse show on 98.7 ESPN. Well, I'd say basketball's probably won with me, Spike. If
1: basketball's I won. Okay. Well, I mean, okay. I, you know,
0: I, I do 65 pregame, postgame shows for the Knicks every year. That keeps my hand in it.
1: No, no, I I know, I know you're very versatile, and that's a great trait to have. You went to Regis High School, right? I sure did. Yeah, boy, that's that's the, like Cooper Union in college, right? That type of thing by invite.
0: Also free, just like Cooper Union in college. No, in
1: I place. know, I know. I have a buddy. I didn't of mine, get into Cooper
0: uh, Union for the record, though, Spike. <laughs>
1: that's okay. Well, yeah, I have a very similar friend of mine who played D one Bull, e seventy six now, and. Um, so he was D1 at CCNY, where Larry Hardesty played, by the way, FYI, but much later, you know, I'd say yep. 15 years later. Anyway, so I'm just curious because, you, you know, you guys will all do this. Um, obviously, your brain's a real sharp. You gave away your age last week, mid early 40s, that type of thing. Yeah, I would think. I and you kind of look like you played ball, right? Well, you, you probably played football. I'm guessing.
0: We didn't have a football team at Regis. I played soccer. No, for I N- know that. I played uh, soccer for NYU, Spike. I was a goal. Oh, I nice, was a goalie nice, for the Violets.
1: Nice, nice. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. You know, Back to the long story. I know we don't have time. I'll get right to my question, but I go back to NYU with Lou Rossini and Haston and Kramer and all those guys. Yep, but I'm just great going, basketball program. Anyway, so, so here's where I see it. Uh, baseball's my second favorite. Uh, these teams both look dead in the water to me. I know they keep saying the Yankees, you know, there's still only this and still only that, but uh, they just look uh, not disinterested. They just look slow and old, and the dog days of the summer are now, and I don't know how they'll get through it. The gestures by the pitcher, they paid all the money for What's his name, Rodon? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's frustration. You see that come out, and, and you're coaching your youngsters now, I'm sure, in either travel or youth youthful, you once told me. And I know they're young, but, uh, you know, you see the same frustrations you know, manifest in a different way. So now the layover is until football, which will take it over. And, of course, you know where my head's at. I'm waiting for a basketball training camp because that lag between summer league and everything – you know, I just uh, I just have an affinity to, to, for the Knicks and loving them and being the same age of the league. But, uh, you know, I just wanted to say a quick hello. I'll watch a little bit of the baseball, but it's tough. It's tough to watch, you know. The Mets look like they have a the, – the first baseman looks like he's been hurt. If something is off with him. You don't go that bad, and then it manifests into his fielding. Am I seeing it incorrectly?
0: Well, he hasn't been the same since he rushed back from the injury. I mean, we thought he was going to be out for three to four weeks. He was out for 10 days and all of a sudden showed up on Father's Day and played, and he hasn't been the same. I mean, he's never been Keith Hernandez or Don Mattingly with the glove anyway, but he hasn't been. But he has improved. He has improved. Oh, no question about it. But he hasn't been the same in the field or at the plate since rushing back.
1: Yeah, his swing, his swing, he looks off. He looks like his timing is off, and – uh And I've said it before, and I'll leave you with this, and I'll enjoy listening to you. as I try to take a a little bit of a walk in this oppressive heat. I'm not complaining. I moved here because of the cold weather and other reasons. But uh, uh, it's just – it gets to the point of of frustration, you know, because Tampa Bay, as I've told you, the ballpark's five minutes from me. It's in St. Pete. And uh, they're taking – they did a nosedive, but I just looked. They're still 19 or 20 games over 500, so – you know, something about a good start, you know, it sets a foundation.
0: Well, and Spike, always good to hear from you. Thanks for the call. Not that the Yankees got off to a good start, um, but they got off to they didn't get off to a bad start. You know, they were I think their high watermark this season was 11 games above 500, which makes them still in the race right now. You know, there's still four games back. I mean, that can get away from you quickly if you play the way they've been playing lately. But the Yankees are only as close as they are because in April and May, and remember, for most of those months, I mean, Aaron Judge was having as good a season this year as he had last year until he got hurt in Los Angeles on June 3rd. He had 19 home runs. He hasn't played in forever. He's got 19 home runs. Nobody else on this team can touch 19 home runs. So the Yankees got to 11 games above 500, so it gave them a little bit of a cushion, but that's gone. Right, They've exhausted that cushion, and now they're hanging on for dear life, and now they have to build that cushion back up again if they're going to be a contender for the playoffs. All right, we'll, we'll hear from Judge on the other side of our break, uh, and we'll hear from Aaron Boone as well before tonight's game as the Yankees begin this crucial stretch, really because A, they've got to win games, and B, they've got to win games against lousy teams, and they got a one nothing lead, Franchi Cordero, who's getting the start, just smacked a solo home run in the second inning, so the Yankees have a 1-0 lead over the Kansas City Royals. And away we go here on a Friday night. It's Pat O'Keefe with you on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Yankees uh, opening up their three-game series against the Royals, leading one nothing as they head to the third inning. Top of the second inning at Fenway Park, and the Red Sox have a 1-0 lead over the Mets, who are throwing Kodai Senga tonight against Cutter Crawford, who actually has pretty good numbers for the Red Sox. Senga's been good for the most part, was an all-star. Crawford for Boston is 4-4 with a 3.74 earned run average. For the Yankees, and here's the issue with the Yankees, or one of the many issues. They've got Alec Marsh, who's 0-3 with a 5.40 ERA pitching for Kansas City that's the most frustrating thing about what the Yankees have done lately or what they haven't done offensively since the all-star break here are just a few of the names that have shut the Yankees down like a Patrick Sandoval with the Angels who came into the game with a 4.41 earned run average and pitched seven and a third innings and allowed two hits and one run Griffin Canning for the Angels, a 4.62 ERA, struck out 12 Yankees over five and two-thirds innings while giving up two runs. Chase Anderson came in. He was a Rockies pitcher with a 6.89 ERA, five innings pitched, five shutout innings pitched, allowing just three base hits. And Austin Gomber with a 6.40 ERA, pitched six innings, and allowed two runs. So it's not like the Yankees are going up against the best of the best during this stretch and being shut down. They went out to Anaheim. They got swept by the Angels. And Shohei Ohtani didn't even start one of the three games. And the Yankees were completely shut down anyway. Um, now one of the issues with the Yankees, for sure. They're just not hitting and they're being shut down by by bad pitching. Historically bad pitching. Now Aaron Judge... Earlier today was at Fordham University, where his all rise foundation was hosting a baseball camp for about 200 kids from the New York City area. Uh, And Judge spent some time with the media. I was among them uh, just getting some thoughts from Judge on the event and and where he is right now in his recovery. Uh, First and foremost, how would Judge assess where he is right now with the injured toe?
2: We're getting close, you know, not really too sure when. I think every station I go to, there's about two or three kids that keep asking the same questions. So, uh, you know, they've got some good reporters out there. But, you know, we're, get, we're getting close. You know, we're making great progress, no real no real setbacks. So, you know, looking forward to getting back out there.
0: Now, the Yankees, for the first three to four weeks that Judge was out, actually did a pretty good job holding the fort without their best player. And obviously this last 10-game stretch, during which they have gone 2-8, and eight, has eaten away at a lot of that. Um, is it difficult for Judge to be patient when the team isn't playing well without him?
2: It is tough. You know, you don't like sitting out at, you know, any moments. If, you know, we were winning every single game, it'd be tough sitting out. And we're going through a tough spell, it's, uh, I think, even tougher. But, you know, like I said, I just got to keep working, moving forward, and getting closer. I'm trying to take it one step at a time. You know, if I kind of look down the road, at too far ahead. You kind of get lost in what's going on day to day. So, it's tough right now, but we'll, we'll be back out there soon.
0: And more from Aaron. From his perspective, having sat and watched for nearly two months now, how does the team turn this thing around?
2: You know, I think it's just about having consistent team at-bats, you know, from the very top to the very bottom. You know, it's one thing that we preach. you know, over the years, even again this year, is just having team at-bats, team approaches, wear down the starting pitcher, get to the bullpen early. You know, I think if we continue to do that, just as a team, you know, we'll be in a good spot, you know, because it's tough. It's tough when... You know, your back's up against the wall. You're in a, the toughest division in baseball. There's been a couple of games where guys had some good at-bats. You line out and you don't get rewarded for it. And, you know, that, that builds up over the course of a season. But, you know, this is a resilient team. You know, this is a veteran team that they've been in this spot before, and they're going to rebound.
0: Well, it's funny. I mean, he, he said all the right things there in that last answer. I mean, that is generally the way where you try to turn things around. And that used to be the philosophy for the Yankees hitters, but you're going back a very, very long time with different players and different teams and a different manager and and really different philosophies as a whole. Yeah, it's nice that he says that's how you turn things around, but when in recent times has that been the Yankees' approach? It's been a very, very long time since that was their approach at the plate. And I just – you know, with – with the way that this team is constructed, you don't get the sense that this team has that in them, right? They don't. They don't first and foremost, they don't have a leadoff hitter. I didn't even check because we were starting the show as that game was starting, but who's batting leadoff tonight? Tonight, oh, it's Oswaldo, uh, Oswald Peraza again. His first game in the leadoff spot in Anaheim, which was, I believe, on, on Monday night, he did a pretty good job. He had three walks. He was on base almost the entire time. I think he had a single as well. Since then, he's been pretty bad. You know, it's all about, for this team, it's all about the on-base percentage. And tonight's lineup, I mean, it shows how expectations have been lowered or even diminished. Because, you know, you look at a guy like Juan Soto. And last I checked, Soto had a 420 on-base percentage. And I've said this before. I think Soto is a better option for the Yankees. Not... Because he's a better player than Shohei Ohtani, that's not what I'm saying. But you have to take all things into consideration. You know, Soto and Ohtani are the two biggest names, the two biggest stars, who there's a chance they'll be available before this trade deadline. And even if they're not moved before this trade deadline, well, Ohtani more likely than Soto. Soto's under contract next year. So Soto can be moved in the offseason if he's not moved by the deadline, if the Padres don't find a, a package that they're interested in. But I just think Soto is a better fit for the Yankees because how much deeper how much deeper can you go? Right. How much more money can you throw at this quote unquote problem? And it is a problem when you're 50 and 47 and you're in last place. And I understand as judge said, and he's right. It is the toughest division in baseball, but you're still in last place and you're still only three games above 500. And if those are the results from the second highest payroll in baseball, then it is a problem. And bringing in Otani and signing him to a contract would cost more. It would cost more in terms of prospects, and it would cost a whole lot more in terms of money. And the same thing with Soto. It would cost prospects, and it would cost a lot of money. Except in the case of Soto, it would not cost as much in prospects, and it would not cost as much in money. And Soto is, you put Otani aside, all right? Let's just take him out of the conversation, take him out of the equation for a moment, all right? Juan Soto is the perfect player to plug into this Yankees lineup because the most glaring omission from this Yankees lineup is a leadoff hitter. And not that he's a leadoff hitter, but the most glaring omission is somebody who gets on base consistently. And Soto, last I checked, had an on-base percentage of .420. And it used to be those good good Yankees teams, you'd go up and down the lineup with guys who had on-base percentages around .400, .380. 370 the bottom of the lineup guys would get on base 35% of the time now it's just so completely skewed you talk about on base percentage right now never mind batting average which I know has been uh, deemed not as important in this day and age never mind OPS which I think is a really you know pretty good snapshot of how you are as an overall player but let's just talk about the simple act of getting on base and in tonight's lineup, Peraza, in a very small sample size, has a 370 on base percentage. That's pretty good. But that's by far and away the best on this Yankees team. You have Rizzo, 335 and going down. And you have Glaber Torres at 331. And those are the only three guys in the lineup who get on base 30% of the time. I'm not talking about a 300 hitter, I'm not talking about a 300 batting average. I'm talking about getting on base. of the time, not Stanton, he's 276, Cordero is 231 after his home run tonight, LeMahieu, LeMahieu used to be, except for the speed or lack thereof, used to be the prototypical leadoff hitter, not a big bopper, not a ton of power, put the bat on the ball all the time, line drives, and he spent seasons on the base paths. And this year his on-base percentage is 292, Volpe 277, Billy McKinney 294, Kyle Higashioka 265. It's, It's extremely difficult to score runs if no one is ever on base. And it's funny because in recent years, the Yankees haven't even been that good at manufacturing runs without utilizing the home run. Well, now if nobody gets on base, the only way you can manufacture runs is with the home run. Case in point tonight. Here we are in the bottom of the third inning with one out. They've got one hit. It happened to be a home run by Franchi Cordero to give the Yankees a one nothing lead. But again, they're facing this pitcher in Alec Marsh with a 5.40 ERA, and he's still a major league pitcher. And this is what's been happening a lot lately. You get through the first inning unscathed, you get a little bit more confidence. You give up a home run in the second, now you're in the third. If you get through three innings, you give up one run, your confidence starts to grow, and the Yankees start pressing again. This is a weekend, like I said at the beginning of the show. The Yankees have to put their foot down and take a stand and win games and win them convincingly. Otherwise, there's going to be no reason at all to believe that they can do that between now and the rest of the season. All right, we'll get back to your calls after we come back and hear a little from Aaron Boone before this important series uh, kicks off. Speaking of kicking off, Jets training camp in full bloom. Uh, Pietro and uh, Rothenberg, I believe we're out there this morning, so we have a lot of uh, reaction from Florham Park, New Jersey, we'll get into. The latest on the Giants running back situation, the Saquon saga, if you will. And of course your calls at 1-800-919-3776 it's Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York